hey, I want to talk to you for the next three weeks about something, okay? Next three weeks, I want to talk to you about friendships and friends. Can we do that? Just shake your head if you're with me. Can we do that? Next three weeks. So I want you to come the next three weeks because this series is going to be one big conversation. I'm just going to get the ball rolling today. And here's why I want to talk to you about it. Friendship, we live in a culture that is saturated with friendship, right? Songs sing about it, TV shows talk about it, movies kind of fantasize it. Uh, Friendship is everywhere. In fact, just to get you in the mood, we got some music for you. Let's show the first slide. How many of you watched Toy Story? Let me see. Turn that up nice and loud. You can even sing with it. How many of you like Toy Story? Raise your hand. About the same amount. That's awesome. You guys win. Okay. Yeah, so you got a friend in me. How about this? Show the next slide. How many of you know this song? How many of you like this song? How many have never heard this song? Let's show the next one. How many of you know this song? How many of you got a tear in your eye right now? school slideshow at the end. Yeah, that's fascinating, okay? There's a TV show called Friends. Raise your hand if you ever watched Friends, ever heard of Friends. All right, put your hands down. Um, uh, How many of you have never heard of it or never seen it? Raise your hand. Anybody? Yeah, okay, that's fine. Not many of you. There's a TV show called Friends. Next slide. Raise your hand if you know what this means. Put your hands down. Raise your hand if you have no idea what this means. Who am I talking to? Okay, some of you. Okay, everybody who knows what it means when I count to three, one, two, three. Best friends forever. Next slide. Raise your hand if you're on Facebook. Let me see your hands. Who's on Facebook? You got a Facebook page, okay? That's awesome. Raise your hand if you've ever been unfriended on Facebook, okay? Raise your hand if it hurt your feelings, okay? (laughs) That's funny, huh? Uh, maybe it's not funny. I'm sorry about that. But hey, here's the deal. Facebook, tons of friends. I, I, I've been doing this each service because I want to make sure in full disclosure, I share something with you. A couple of years ago, I did a series. And uh, in that series, I decided to use as an illustration, I, I made or had developed or whatever you call it, a Facebook page, okay? So my wife did that. And my goal during the series, some of you were here for it, was to see how many friends I could get by the end of the series. And some of you are shaking your head because you remember that. And uh, I, it was fun. Uh, because it kind of went viral, you know. I got several hundred friends, like, man, we're going to, you know, all these friends. I didn't even know what to do with it, you know. But here's the deal, and so I still have that Facebook page in case you want, but I have not looked at it once since that series. I just need to tell you that. Here's the reason I'm telling you that, because I had somebody a couple weeks ago, they were very frustrated with me. And and this is no lie. They came up to me and said, why won't you respond to me? Why won't you answer my question? I'm like, Dude, I, I'm sorry. What's your question? Like, and, I, and I said, when did you ask me your question? I've been, I've been talking to you on your Facebook page and you won't respond to me. Here's the deal. If you talk to me on my Facebook page, I'm ignoring you, man. I, I won't respond. I don't even know how to get on the thing by myself, okay? But friends are everywhere, right? We have friends in Facebook, movies, songs, Culture is all about friendship. This is a very, very important series. I don't want to just talk to you about friends. I don't want to just talk to you about friendship. Listen, I want to talk to you about your friends and your friendships. I want this to be something we talk about in particular, in specific, or maybe depending on who you are this morning, your lack thereof friends, so to speak. You see, here's the deal. 
Intuitively, all of us know this is an important conversation. We all know that, right? If you're a parent, raise your hand if you're a parent in the room. I just want to see who I'm talking to. Okay, you know this is an important conversation. You know why you know that? Because the number one thing, number one thing that you were nervous about when you sent your kids off to school was who they would what? Become friends with. Why? Because you know intuitively that their friends are going to determine some things. There's going to be influence there with their friends. And so you wanted to make sure they made good friends. You wanted to make sure they didn't start hanging out with the wrong crowd. Some of you know it intuitively, instinctively. Others of you, you know it not just intuitively but experientially because your story is a story, good, bad, and different, where friends somehow played a part in your story. They influenced you. Maybe you got caught in the wrong crowd and so your story went one way. Maybe you had a good friend who helped you stay on the straight and narrow and your story went a different way. But many of you, and I talk to tons of people, you know this conversation is important experientially. I've been talking to people all morning. We've already done this twice, right? All morning. And people have been going out telling me their stories of friendships and how friendships have influenced them. But not only do you know it intuitively, instinctively, and experientially, the Bible seems to state that this is something that is very, very important. Look what it says in the book of Proverbs. It says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Look what else it says. It says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Jesus, in John 15, talks about friendship. He says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. That's why for the next three weeks, I want to talk to you about friends and friendship, your friends, your friendships. And this is just simply going to be the beginning of the conversation this morning, okay? That's all it is. So this morning, all I want to do is introduce it. I got to lay a foundation for it. I want to talk about the importance of it, okay? Then next week, I want to talk to you about the negative side of this. I want to talk to you about the pitfalls of friendship. So I want you to come all three weeks because it's one big continuous conversation. And then the final week, week three together, which is, by the way, Father's Day weekend, we're going to talk about the signs of true friendship, the marks of a deep, true, good friend, week three. So this morning, we're just going to look at the introduction. And here's what I want to do to start things out this morning, okay? This is an all play. I want everybody to get a pen, grab a pen, look for one around you, get your program, find a blank part of your program. This is an all play. I want everybody to do what I'm getting ready to ask. I am going to give you 30 seconds to do this. You ready? Everybody got a pen? I will be watching to see who's participating, okay? Here we go. Here's what I want you to do. 30 seconds to do this. I want you to write down the names, you ready? The names of your five closest friends. Ready, set, go. Clock is ticking. And a little music to help you. You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. You don't start writing, I'm going to start singing. When the road rough ahead in your mind. You got 15 seconds. From your nice warm bed. Put your pens down. Fascinating. Look here a second. What a fascinating exercise. Here's what I learned about you guys just watching you do that. First, I learned some of you don't follow directions well. You didn't participate, okay? But second, you know what? I watched some of your faces, and for some of you, that was hard. You know why? For some of you, it was hard because you can't think of five people that you would put there. There are some of you like, man, ooh, ah, ugh. And you can't think of somebody that fits that definition of 
my five closest friends. There's others of you. You got all these people in your life, right? You got like a gazillion people in your life. All these people, but you're like, oh man, but what, I, yeah, I wonder if they would qualify for a close friend and who would be the five I would choose and why would I choose them and who would I leave out and why should I, and you began thinking that way. It was a hard exercise for you. You see, we did that little exercise because it illustrates for us the importance of it. There are some of us in the room that we feel a loneliness. There's others of us we feel a cluttered with relationships. We're not sure how to define them. A guy named Bill Hybels wrote a book called Simplify, and he said there's three kinds of friendships. Uh, maybe there is, maybe there isn't, but it's interesting. He said, first and foremost, there are circumstantial friends. Those are friends that we have because we're smashed together due to circumstances. We live beside each other. We work together. We play on the same ball team. We're just kind of smashed together, so therefore circumstances kind of dictate that we're friends. When, when I, was, I used to work on a truck crew, means this, for 12 hours every night, we threw boxes at each other, unloaded trucks. That's what we did. And, and as a result, when you hang out six days a week, 12 hours a night with a group of guys throwing boxes at each other, you know what? Worked in a grocery store. You know what happens? You become friends. And that's what would happen. We became friends. We were the truck crew. We hang out together. We'd go to breakfast together after we work all night together. We were friends, circumstantial friends. But there's also seasonal friends. And some of you know this by experience, you know this experientially, that there are friends that you have for a season, but when that season's over, they're no longer your friends. I had a friend before I went to elementary school. My friend before I went to elementary school was an imaginary friend. Raise your hand if you ever had an imaginary friend, I want to see. Thank you. You guys, what are you laughing at back That is awesome. This is the most of any of the services I've done today. Everybody's looked at me like, that boy needs counseling. I had an imaginary friend, all right? And so did some of you, you're afraid to admit it. I'm pretty sure of it, right? But when I got to elementary school, all of a sudden, my best friend, his name was Jimmy. And we hung out together in kindergarten because I was scared to death. He was scared to death. We became friends. We were smashed together for that season. Left elementary school, and all of a sudden, my best friend became Danny Horton, Scott Ryder. Those guys were my friends all through junior high and high school. But when I went from high school to college, listen, some of you are in that boat there's a transition that takes place because you leave a lot of the relationships you had in high school, in middle school, and you begin to develop new friendships. And when I went to college, Doug Hawkins was his name, was my best friend. We were, we were tight. We were really, really good friends all through college. Here's what's interesting, though. We graduated from college in 1988. Don't do the math, okay? 1988. And since we graduated in college, I've talked to him twice. Yeah. Does that mean we were mad at each other, don't like each other? No. If he walked in right now, probably hug him, like, what's up? We'd be whatever. But we were friends for a season. There are seasonal friendships. But then Bill Heibel says there's lifelong friends. Lifelong, some are circumstantial, smashed together for a, a purpose. Some are seasonal for a season of life. And then there are some that kind of, they cut through circumstances and seasons, and they last for a lifetime. Just out of curiosity, I'm curious of this. How many of you would say that right now you are actively in a friendship with somebody, actively right now in a friendship with somebody that you've been friends with since elementary school? Raise your hand. That is nice and high. I want to say that is interesting to me, okay? I would say that's not necessarily the norm, but uh, that's awesome that you guys have had friends that have cut through circumstances and cut through seasons. Andy Stanley says something about friendship. He says, friendship includes three things. Might be worth writing down. There's no blanks for it. He said, friendship includes enjoyment. You got to enjoy the relationship, enjoy being with the person. Beyond that, friendship includes acceptance. So you feel this sense of acceptance for who you are, that you're accepted by that person. And then it includes mutual concern. He says when all three of those things are present, there is a 
friendship. I was talking to somebody this last week because it's real easy for two of those things to be present and not the third, right? It's real easy to enjoy being with somebody. It's real easy to feel, well, they accept me, but there not be a mutual concern. I was with somebody this last week and they said, hey, I'm trying to develop this friendship with this person. There's one problem. I said, what's the problem? They said, when we get together and talk, they only talk about themselves. Raise your hand if you've ever had that experience, right? Yeah, and so when you have somebody that is not mutually concerned about you and only want you to be concerned about them, it's hard to develop a friendship. Tim Keller says, friends will always let you in, but never let you down. Here's the way I like to think of it. Maybe friendship comes in layers. And so if I drew concentric circles, maybe it would look like this, that we have many, many acquaintances, people that we're friendly with. My guess is, is that you're Facebook friends or the people that you run into the grocery store, the people that that your kids are on the same ball team with, they're people you're friendly with. Uh, They're people that that, that actually you even care about. Um, If they needed help, you might even even show up. Uh, If somebody in their family died, you might show up to the viewing or the the funeral, whatever it might be. So they're acquaintances, you're friendly with them, but all of a sudden when you go the next layer in, you go from acquaintances to companions. These are our buddies. These are our golfing buddies, right? These are our fishing buddies. These are the people that kind of we, we, we hang out with and we, we, we enjoy spending time with. There's some influence. They have influence on me. I have influence on them. But companions and buddies are not the same as that inner circle, which is friends. There's something that happens and there's only a certain capacity that I have for friends. You say, well, what's the difference? Well, maybe if we attach these three words to those definitions. Acquaintances are people that we care about. Companions are people that maybe have influence in our life. We have influence in their life. But friends are people that we enjoy intimacy with. You might be asking, well, what in the world is the definition for intimacy? Here's the mountain definition. Ready? The mountain definition of intimacy is into me see. Those are the people who see into me. They see down to the bottom of me. They see my fears. They see my struggles. They see my dreams, my vision. They see me. Listen close. Guys, really dial in. I can be fishing buddies, talk about sports. We could hang out all week together, every night together, golfing, fishing, watching games. I could be companions and buddies with guys who I never have an intimate kind of relationship where they know me. They know what I struggle with. They know what my fears are. They know what my dreams are. They know me. And so what we want to talk about in this series is what does it mean to develop those kind of friendships. Here's why this is important. You ready? Just look here a second and then we'll fly. I know this is important because as I look into your eyes, there are some of you that are sitting here this morning. Friendship's a big part of our life and some of you are sitting here, yeah, you're saying friendship's a big part of my life because I don't have any. And there are some of you and I know some stories in this room, you're like, man, I have a lot of acquaintances, I have a lot of companions, but not many friends, if any. And some of you are sitting here and you're thinking, I'm lonely. I talk to people all the time that are lonely. They have people around them all the time, but they're lonely. And that might be you. There are others of you, you're sitting here like, man, this series is important because friendship's a big part of my life. And here's what you know already. You know you have some wrong people in the wrong space in your life. There are some of you, this is an important conversation because you're getting ready to go through a transition. A transition of life, so to speak. Some of you just graduated from high school. So you're getting ready to go off to school and you're going to begin developing and making new friends. And those transition times are times where it's very, very important to develop 
friendships. One of the biggest transition times that I found in what I do is, is this, is when a woman loses her husband, she becomes a widow. Think about it. She'll come to me and say, I'm not sure who my friends are because we've always done things with couples. And now I'm alone. And, and I don't feel comfortable doing things with them. So for some of you, this is an important conversation because you are in a transition. And there's others of you, you're struggling in your friendships. You have a friend right now and you're not talking. You're struggling. Something's happened. So for the next three weeks, I want to talk to you. And so this morning, I want to answer this question. Why does this conversation matter? Why does this conversation matter? And there's three things we're going to talk about and we're going to go home. Okay, three things and then we'll go home. Why does this conversation matter? To understand why the conversation matters, here's what we got to do. We've got to drive in to the creation story. So in Genesis 1, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 1. I want you to lay that in your lap. We're going to look at a couple verses. In Genesis chapter 1, we see the story of God creating. So if you know the story in Genesis 1, it talks about God creates on the first day, and then he says it's good. God creates on the second day, then he says it's good. God creates on the third day, then he says it's good. As you read the creation story, it climaxes in Genesis 1, verse 26 and 27, when God creates mankind. Here's what it says. Look with me in your Bibles, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea birds in the sky over the livestock, all the wild animals and all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Look here a second. I want to show you two things maybe you haven't seen before in this particular passage. Some of you are like, oh, I read creation. God created in the beginning. I want to show you two things. First, if you write in your Bible, I recommend you do. If you write in your Bible, I would circle these two words, let us, let us. Here's why. If you're reading that and you're, you're thinking as you're reading this, there ought to be a part of you like, what? Because here's what it says. Then God said, so God, there's no man created. God said, let us. And here's what you ought to ask yourself. Us who? Who's us? Like, who's he talking to? Because God is creating, man's not created, and he says, let us create. It's interesting, it's fascinating. What is it pointing to? I need to tell you something that is mind-blowing and beautiful all at the same time. Let me say it again. It's mind-blowing and it's beautiful all at the same time. What he's referring to there is something that we know and understand to be the Trinity. That is this, God is one God. He is one God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now listen to me, you come up to me after the service and you say, explain that to me. Here's what I'll say to you. I'll say, I can't. I'm going to tell you something, but think about it. And I'm kind of glad I can't because if you have a God that you can totally explain and manage, you no longer have a God. Think about it. And so I'm okay with there being things like, that makes my mind rattle, right? But it's beautiful at the same time. Why is it beautiful? Because what that tells me is this, this God who exists as one God in three persons, the God who created in Genesis chapter 1 has existed for all of eternity. You say, when did God begin? He didn't. He always has been. But here's what it tells me. He existed for all eternity in this perfect relationship of love. God has always existed, stay with me, in a relationship of continual, constant enjoyment 
He's existed in a relationship of continual, constant acceptance. And he's, re- he's lived in this relationship of complete intimacy. What is that? That is the definition of friendship. I want you to write this down. Let it percolate. Why does this conversation matter? Why does friendship matter? It matters because I am formed from friendship. The one who created me, the one who created you, has existed forever in friendship. Friendship is not something that ever started or was created. It always has been. That's mind-blowing. God, I don't know if you ever thought about God this way, God has existed forever and always in eternity in friendship. He is a God who has perfectly existed in this relationship where he's preferring the other in the Trinity, where he is, he is accepting, where he, there's this intimacy, where there's this love and there's this enjoyment. And so the God who creates in Genesis 1 is a God who creates from friendship. But he doesn't just say, let us. He says, let us make man in our what? In our image, in our likeness. What does that mean? Look here a second, because some of you, this is your pet part, of, and, and it should be. But, but, but it means one thing for sure. It means this, that, that, that those of us who are human beings that are personal did not evolve from something impersonal. That intelligent didn't evolve from something unintelligent. It, it kind of tells me that we are made by a personal, intelligent, living God. But, but that's not all it means. Second, it means that I am distinct and distinguished from God. I'm not God. I'm not God. I'm made in his likeness, in his image. But whereas I'm distinct and distinguished from God, I am distinct and distinguished from all other animals. I'm not just another animal. And so that does two things for me. Okay, two things for me. The fact that I'm made in his image by a God who is personal, intelligent, living. I am not God, but I am not an animal, just another part of the animal kingdom. It does two things for me. One is this, not the purpose of today's sermon. One is this. It, it, it kind of helps me understand my place in this world. That God has a place for me in this world. So I got to start there. I understand my place in this world. So that's a different sermon, different time. I preached that a couple years ago, but, but different sermon, different time. But it doesn't just help me understand my place in this world. Stay with me on this. It helps me understand how I am designed. If I am made in the image and the likeness of that God, it helps me understand that I have been made by a God who existed in eternal relationship, in perpetual friendship. And it tells me this conversation we're having matters. Here's why. Friendship matters because I am formed for friendship. He made us for relationships. He designed me to have relationships. Notice after he creates Adam and Eve, he relates to them unique from the rest of creation. Being made in the image of God means that I have been made uniquely, personally, to have a special relationship with God and a friendship that I can enjoy with others. In fact, I want to show you how this plays out. I want to show you something that maybe some of you who know the creation story well maybe have never thought about or seen. Let your eyes fly over to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. So Genesis 1 is the creation story. And in Genesis 2, we kind of get this poetic elaboration of what happened there. It's kind of like this, this, this I'm going to expand on the creation story. And so when you 
Read Genesis 1, God creates, it's good. God creates, it's good. God creates, it's good. God creates, and he says, it's good. Over and over again, you see God saying it's good. Look at verse 7, chapter 2, Genesis. Lord God formed a man from dust to the ground, breathed into his nostrils, breath of life. Man became living being. Verse 8, God planted a garden in the east in Eden. There he put the man he formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Get down to verse 15. Lord God took the man that he had formed, put him in the garden of Eden to work it, take care of it. Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Look here a second before we read the next verse. Some of you know the story, right? So you're like way ahead of me, but before you get ahead of me, I want to ask you a question. This is all class participation. At this point in the story, has man sinned? At this point in the story, has man, you're like, I don't know, is this a trick question? It's not a trick question. At this point in the story, has man sinned? Answer is no. God gives the command. But man has not sinned. Adam has not sinned. Adam, Eve, no, they've not partaken, right? So here you have Adam. God gives the command to Adam. But Adam has not sinned. But there's something fascinating. Verse 18. Sin hasn't entered the human stage at this point, And God says this in verse 18. It is not good. What? I thought everything bad in the world was because of sin. Sin hasn't entered the world yet, and God says something isn't good. What's not good? It's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. I want you to write this down. Loneliness was man's first problem. Loneliness was man's first problem. Adam was not lonely because he was imperfect. He was lonely because he was made in the image of God. And at this point in the story, he had not sinned. He was perfect. And he was being made in the image of God, made for relationship. Let me say it this way. Guys, really dial in. Guys, really dial in. Girls, if this is you too. But guys, we're really good for this. Guys, here's what we're good about. Oh, we don't need friends, man. We don't need relationships. I got my truck. I got my gun. I got my... <laughs> You're laughing because it sounds a lot like you, right? I mean, I get it. I mean, I'm a, I get it, you know? I, I don't need people. I don't need relationships. When that's the attitude, listen, when that's the attitude I embrace, just hear me out on this. When that's the attitude, philosophy of life that I embrace, I embrace an attitude or a philosophy of life that is contrary and a contradiction to the image of the God who I've been made in. I've been made for relationships. I need relationships. I can explain it away, justify it away all I want. Sin hasn't entered the picture yet, and there's a problem. God says, this ain't good. What ain't good? He's alone. I made him to be in relationship. Now, sin magnifies that problem. Stay with me. Sin magnifies that problem because it's sin. Some of you, this is going to sting a little bit. It's sin that drives us into our first problem. Sin is the reason some of us in this room are lonely. You know why? Because sin ruins friendships. Sin robs the joy of relationships. It's sin that empties friendships of its depth. It's sin that creates distrust and breeds comparison. It's sin that kills with jealousy. 
See, friendships are built and involve selfless concern. Sin creates a selfish appetite. Friendships grow in a greenhouse of acceptance. Sin creates an atmosphere of rejection. And so here's what happens. When we enter into relationships and sin becomes a part of it and mistrust and disloyalty and comparison, what we do is we retreat into the hollow halls of loneliness. And you know what statistics say? One in four of us in this room right now, one in four of us in this room right now, one out of four of us in this room right now are suffering from loneliness. I did all kinds of searching around and man, there's so much written on this. National Science Foundation reported that unprecedented numbers of Americans are lonely. In their study, they found that one in four Americans say they have no one with whom they can talk about their personal troubles or triumphs. Not just the bad stuff, the good stuff. If you take family members out of the equation, if family members are not counted, the number doubles to more than half. That's one out of two of us who have no one outside their immediate family with whom they can share confidences. Sadly, the researchers noted increases in social isolation and a very significant decrease in social connection to close families and friends. Here's the deal. Google it. Loneliness, loneliness, loneliness. We live in a culture that is more and more experiencing loneliness. Some of you this morning are experiencing loneliness. And we have been formed from a friendship for friendships. And, and, and this morning, if you look around, you're like, man, I have no relationships. The, the truth of the matter, you've been made in the likeness of God. You were created. And God's like, said, that's not good. That's not. You were formed from a friendship for friendships. It's the third thing, and then we'll land the ship. Third thing, that's this. Friendship matters because, I want you to write this down, because I am formed by friendships. I am formed by my friendships. Here's what I know. I already asked you this. You know this instinctively, intuitively. Those of you who raised your hands and your parents in the room, you know this already. It's, it's the very reason that you told your kids, be careful who you're friends with, right? Be careful who you hang out because you know that we're made, formed by our friendships, that friendships matter. Some of you are parents and you've seen this play out, okay? Let's just, this may be hard for some of you, you've seen it play out. Because you tell your kid, I need you to go right. I need you to make the right decision. I need you. And they all of a sudden start hanging out with a certain group of friends. And the more you say, go right, do this, do this, they go left, do this, do this. And the more you say, da, 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 they go, uh, 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 like this, right? And, and you wonder why. Listen, I'm going to give you a little, this is free. But you ought to write this down. Because I've been doing this over 20 years. And, and, and something I found is this acceptance, write this down, chew on it, acceptance opens the door to influence. And so when your kids go down a path with a group of friends, they find a group of friends and they feel like I'm accepted, they'll just take, all of a sudden it opens the door for influence. And so you can say, right, 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 all you want. But all of a sudden, because they feel somehow accepted over here, right, wrong, indifferent, they all of a sudden buy into influence. See, you know it instinctively, you know it intuitively even, you know it experientially. Some of you have stories. You're like, oh, man. I, I used to do ministry to inmates. I loved it. I'd ask them, tell me how you got here. 
probably 75% of the time, oh man, I just got hooked up with the wrong group. I, I, I got connected with the wrong guys. I, I couldn't figure out how to break away from, right? So you know it experientially and the Bible states it emphatically. Look at Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become, say it out loud, wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. According to this verse, I realize there's other things in the Bible. According to this verse, what is the number one thing to influence the quality of your life? It's the people you're walking with. A euphemism, a metaphor for friendship. It's interesting. Friendship matters. You can write this down. My friends determine my future. My friends determine my future. You don't have to agree with it, but let it percolate because it's worth thinking about. And if you've got little kids, you've got high school students, you ought to really dial in. But even if you're an adult, you need to dial into this. My friends determine my future. A guy named Craig Rochelle, some of you have heard the name, some of you haven't. He says something that there's no scientific proof to, but he's a pastor. And when I thought about his statement, I wasn't going to say it. But the more I thought about it, I've pastored long enough. There's a little bit of truth to this. He said, you are the average of your five closest friends. And when he makes this point, what he's saying is simply this. He said, take your friends and get, you know, do away with the top layer one and the, the bottom one, who's maybe a scoundrel or whatever, and look at the three in the middle. He said, kind of the average. And, and what he goes on to say is this. He said, listen, if your friends are always negative, don't be surprised if you're always negative. If your friends are always talking about and complaining about their wife, don't be surprised if you start talking about and complaining about your wife. If your friendship matters. In fact, I was reading somewhere a study that the friend relationship is significant of all things when it comes to gaining weight. Yeah, it's interesting. Some of you are like, give me the stats on that. If your spouse gains weight, you have a 37% chance of gaining weight. If your sibling gains weight, you have a 40%. If your friend gains weight... The studies showed that you have a 57% chance of gaining weight. Some of you are like, I need some new friends, right? I get it. Right? <laughs> what your friends are, I wasn't meaning that for anybody, okay? What your friends are eating is more of an indicator. What is, what is Proverbs 13 saying when you walk with wise people? What is wise? For the sake of today, we can flesh this out later. For the sake of today, wise in the book of Proverbs is just simply this. People who have rightly figured God into the equation of their life. I'm going to say it again. It's people who have rightly figured God into the equation of their life. When you walk with the wise, you become wise. When you are companions with fools, people who either figure God out of the equation or don't rightly figure him into the equation of their life, you suffer harm, is what he says. There's a relational effect that happens. I was reading this study. It's actually it's, it's, uh, funny and weird at the same time. Years ago, scientists were trying to decide why fish swam in schools. You understand what a school is? Like, that's fish swimming in a group, okay? They took one fish. This is the part that's kind of cruel. They took one fish, and they did a partial lobotomy on it. That's weird, right? Because they had isolated the part of the brain that caused the fish to swim in schools. What's interesting is after they did the lobotomy on the fish, they put the fish back in the water. They found the fish could still swim, but he didn't fish, he didn't swim in a school anymore. He swam off by himself. But then they found something that was very, very interesting that happened. You know what happened? The rest of the fish followed that fish and all of a sudden made their own school. All of a sudden, high school makes sense, right? Somebody who's brainless and thoughtless starts doing something and everybody <laughs> follows, right? What's the point? 
Solomon's just saying this, and I want you to remember this. The decision of your friendships might be the most influential determining factor of your future. It might be the most important decision that you make outside of what you do with the gospel. Andy Stanley says, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. I like what C.S. Lewis says, it might be my favorite quote. The next best thing to being wise oneself is to live in a circle of those who are... Here's the deal. And then I need to, I need to close. Some of you are listening to me right now and you're, you're like, oh man. Like, you look back at that list of five and you're like, I ain't got nobody. And I would say this, if, if you're like, I ain't got nobody, God created you from and for friendships. And he would say, that's not good. There are some of you, though, you look at your list and you're like, man, I got tons in that circle, but woo, there ain't nobody in there rightly figuring God into the equation. And you might be asking this question, Dan, what do I do? Stop being their friend? Stop being nice to them? Stop talking to them? Stop loving them? Listen close. I want you to listen. You need to come back. In short, my answer is no. That's not what I'm saying. But here's what I am saying. I am saying this, that somewhere along the way, I got to start defining where they fit into the concentric circles of my relationships. Well, you're saying, Dan, where does that start? Here's where it starts. You want friendship to make sense in your life. It starts with me inviting into the deepest part of my life, the most important friendship I'll ever make. I want you to write this down. God wants to be my friend. This is not preacher talk. What I'm getting ready to share with you has everything to do with the way you develop friendships. God wants to be my friend. In John 15, Jesus, God in the flesh with skin on, says this. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this than to lay one's life down for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends for everything I learned from the Father. I've made known to you. I've let you in. You didn't choose me, I chose you, appointed you, so you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Listen close, and then God created us from friendship for friendship, and he created us first and foremost so that we might have this relationship with him. Here's the problem. Every last one of us in this room have turned our back on that friendship. That's what the Bible calls sin. So when we get to John 15, Jesus is simply saying this, I am a friend like no other. I am a friend who will always let you in and never let you down. I am a friend who extended my arms wide open. You tracking with me? Wide open so that you might be accepted. I died in your place. I went to hell and back so that we could be friends. He's like, I am a friend who wants to have a relationship with you. See, the gospel is all about God wants to be your friend. Can I ask you a question this morning? Are you friends with Jesus? Here's here's what I know. Some of you are like, I didn't even know God wanted to be my friend. He does. It's the gospel. 
That's why Jesus died. When he died, he died in your place for your sin. He took your spot. And he says, I'll never let you down. I went to hell and back. I will never, you can count on me. He wants to be your friend. Some of you in the room, listen, you're church people. You grew up in church. You've heard church sermons all your life. And your whole view of God is a God of judgment and wrath. And here's what's interesting. That's the only way you think of God. Being afraid of God's judgment, listen close, will change your behavior. So some of you are good people because you're like, I don't know what, like this. It'll change your behavior. Cultivating a friendship with God will change your heart. And when you realize and say yes to Jesus, you realize that you are accepted by God because of what Christ did. And when you realize that you're accepted, you know what it does? It opens the door to influence. And only when you get to this place where you develop and cultivate a friendship with God are you ready then to begin to define, direct the friendships that you have in your life. Because it's only then that you can begin to be a friend to people from a place of acceptance and security. You know what I found? This is not just high school students. This is adults. Many people jump into friendships and out of their insecurity, they kind of run down this path and they're like, oh, wow. Because they don't know who they are. They don't know what they're about. But see, when I live in the security of the acceptance I have from God, I can be a friend because I know who I am. I know where I'm at. And I can be a friend who extends kindness and grace as I serve other people. You know why? Because that's the friendship I have from God. This is an important conversation. You know why it's important? Because I'm looking into your eyes and some of you don't have any friends. No one around you knows it. You've, you are Mr. Personality but you don't have any friends. I've been talking to people all morning. And some of you are as lonely as lonely can be. God says, that's not good. I want you to enjoy friendship. And some of you are like, I don't know how. And I hope through this series we can be helpful to you. If I'm honest, there's some of you, and I'm looking into your eyes, and, and this is an important series. You know why? Because you have friends in all the wrong places, so to speak. You got people in your life and, and you are the culmination of the decisions to allow them into a place in your life where all of a sudden you're like, how did I get here? And, and this conversation is important. There's some of you that are in the middle of a transition and, and this conversation is important because you're, you graduated high school. You're going off to college. You want to make new friends. There's some of you, this is an important conversation because you're a parent. Can I just talk honest for a minute? Do I have a minute to do that? If you're a parent in the room, can I talk to you? And your kid is still in school. You know, it's interesting to me as I think about friendship and I think about kids, parents, how much time do you spend praying for and helping your children develop and cultivate friendships? You know what the temptation is? I'm just being honest. My, my, my last one is off to school in the fall. Like I'm on the tail end of this. It can be really easy when your kids are growing up 
to make sure they get in the friend circle where they're going to be cool, where they're going to be accepted, where they're going to be popular, where they're going to be the superstar. We want to make sure they're the first string. We want to make sure that everybody notices, right? It can be easy. And all of a sudden, there's no time for any spaces in their life where they develop friendships with those who rightly are figuring God into the equation. Pastor Greg, Joel, Ethan did not ask me to, to say this, but I will tell you this. It is the number one, it is the number one challenge that people who work with teenagers today face. You know what the challenge is? There is no time for friendships with people who are walking that way. Just talking straight, parents, because I will tell you this. If, if your kid becomes the cool kid and all the people in school, like, man, he's whatever. I used to say this to my kids. I'd rather be kind than cool any day. Coolness wears off. Coolness wears off. Your friends determine your future. Can I ask you another question why, why I'm at it? For those of you who are married and dating in the room, can I ask you a question? Those of you who are married, are you friends with your spouse? It's interesting, he saw that Adam was alone, and then he came up with this idea we call marriage. I read a survey that said this, that women who are satisfied in their marriage, God's idea, 70% of them were completely satisfied in their marriage, not because of the sex, the romance, not because of the job and the money their husband had, but because of the friendship. And I read the book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. So they did the study and they asked men, and you can imagine, right? Men who were satisfied in their marriage were satisfied because of the friendship. 70%. Go figure. We're not that different after all, are we? You know why? Because we were created from friendship for friendship. Those of you who are dating in the room, and then I'm done. Is the person you're dating, is the person you're dating a friend with God? Because God says, I'm going to open my arms wide to accept you, and I'm going to let you in on, as Aiden said earlier, and partner with my business. Are you grabbing the hand of somebody who is walking, figuring God in the right place in the equation of their life? Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. So, Father, what an interesting conversation. I thank you for friendship. I thank you that we can have this, and I thank you that today we just begin. But, God, I pray that you would help some in the room that I'm looking at. They're, they're lonely, and they feel that. Some of them feel the devastation and destruction of friendships they've chosen. Others in the room want to figure out, how can I have these kind of relationships. God, I'm, I'm praying that you help us in this conversation. I thank you so much that you created us for friendships. And God, I pray that you'd help us to make decisions from this day forward that would help us to invite people into our life that would help us to walk with and in friendship with you. We love you. I pray this in Jesus' name.